theyeshiva.net. What the Magad was explaining was not just an issue of time. Remember, in the world of spirituality, it's beyond time. It's not if the Neshamas are davening at 6 o'clock, so the Malachim could start 6.15. They don't exist in the realm of time. After, in spirituality, doesn't mean chronologically. After means in concept. You have Kedima and Ichur in time, 6 o'clock and 7 o'clock. <laughs> Once you daven, I could daven. It's saying something deeper. It's saying in concept, it could be the same time, not the, the Malachim's davening flows from the Neshamas. It's that the consciousness is first experienced in the Neshamas, and from there comes the, the Shir of the Malachim. Shir Hashirim, all the songs are rooted in that original song of the Neshamas, because they're the Pnimius, they're the interlacing link between everything, between heaven and earth. Yeah, it's like an Hishtalshlis. Hishtalshlis doesn't mean that the second level comes after the first level. Could be there was never a time that number two was not there. But it's still called number two because it comes after number one. Not in time, but in concept. Uh, Most basic example, yeah. One plus one equals two. Two minus one equals one, right? Which rule comes first? Which rule comes first? One plus one equals two, or two minus one equals one? Yeah. So, in terms of time, no one comes first. There was never a time. It's not like for a thousand years, one plus one equals two. After a thousand years, we decided. By the way, two minus one equals one, right? That follows. They were always together, but still, this is number two and this is number one. (laughs) Because the premise is that one plus one equals two. Then, because of that, you could say two minus one. If you don't have the one plus one equals two, two follows number one, not in time, but in concept. Just a very basic example that in spirituality, when you say first and second, it doesn't mean necessarily on the clock. So when you say the malachim can only sing after the neshamas, the Gemarian chulin, beron yachat the Magad is saying it doesn't mean necessarily in time. It means the whole shir of the malachim follows the shir of the neshamas. Shir hashirim. Like dibur follows machshava. Because neshamas are the pnimius of oilamas. They're the core. They're the, the inner, inner consciousness. Like the thoughts before the words. It could be I'm thinking and speaking at the same time. But the machshava essentially precedes the dibur in hishtalshalos. In the hierarchy, so to speak. You understand? In these, in, in these cons- when we talk about these things, you have to remember that time and space, not to get stuck in those paradigms. There is, but it's still, it's in a, it's in a, high, it's in a higher space. Impulsive, yeah. What? Then there, then there. <laughs> there's, there's a such, uh, there's a condition. So children have it, adults have it. It's called a lack of impulse control. The inability to be able to control impulses. It's a neurological condition. It's not, uh, it's something, it's, it's a real condition. So when somebody speaks impulsively, what do we say? Or they do something impulsively, it lacks, like he says, the, the dibur is mechuser chachma v'seichel. It lacks, it lacks a focus, it lacks effectiveness. 
Right? When a parent is impulsive with their children or a teacher is impulsive with class, with students, we know the results. It's coming from something. I was triggered, I'm angry, I'm overwhelmed, I'm anxious. Right? In a marriage, when people start getting impulsive towards each other, they could say very nasty things. What's missing is their is the machshav is not there. Sometimes, you're right, because sometimes I'm saying things that I thought about my whole life. <laughs> so it's even a deeper machshava. Yeah. When we say machshava, it doesn't necessarily mean that I sat for an hour before my speech and I prepared. Somebody asked me when I prepare my speech, and I say I prepare my whole life. <laughs> no, but it's true. When you say machshava, this is your thought process, of course it's going to come out. You're asking a good question. There were there were tzaddikim in Poland who said that if they, uh, I think Reb Chaim Tzanzer, maybe there was somebody else also who said that um, if he remembers what he said, they shouldn't write it down because it was folly. It's not a shkait. And if he doesn't remember, it was it was a flow. So then they should write it down. <laughs> Usually, most people say, you know, if you don't remember, if I don't remember, it's probably better, right? Let's forget it. So he's saying it's a contradiction, but really. When you're in the flow, it's deeper machshava. It's much deeper machshava. It's machshava without an ego. In many, in many ways, that's the source of machshava, like we spoke yesterday. You're one with the source of awareness. So is that a maturity? It's not the I, ah? Huh? Is that a maturity? Yeah, it's like Shechina Medaberes Metach It says by Moshe Rabbeinu, the Sifri says that the Shechina spoke through his throat. He says in Shkriyashma, I'm going to give you rain. Moshe gives rain. He speaks about himself. In Sefer Dvarim, it's his words. It's not Hashem's words. So Shema is part of Sefer Dvarim. Throughout the Shema, you see, he speaks about himself as though he's the creator. He's not. I'm going to give you rain. If you listen to my mitzvahs, I'm going to give you rain. He should say, if you listen to God's mitzvahs, Hashem will give you an Advanasati. Remember, Sefer Dvarim, he's not quoting. The Gemara says in Megillah, that Mishnah Torah, Moshe mipi'atzmoi Amra. Moshe said it on his own. Taisva says, Beruch HaKadosh. But the Havana there is that Moshe was in a place, that's what we learned yesterday, he was a conduit for the Ein Saif. It's like in Halacha, we find the concept, Shlucha Shaladam Kemaisai. Right? Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar writes this in Parshish Kisisa, a real Shliach in Halacha, there's three levels of Shlichas, the Sefer Lekach Tov, Rabbi Yosef Engel. So he explains the three levels of Shlichas. In halacha, how you define a shliach. One level is, I'm separate from you, but what I do, I'm yoytzeh for you. So if I give truma for you, I do b'dikas chametz for you, I give tzedakah for you, right? It's, it's considered as though you did it in the sense that I dispensed your obligation. Another level of shlichus is that yadai kiyadai, it's like your action, it's like a long arm through me. And the highest level of shlichus and halach is that the shliach is the mishaleach. Automatically, what he does is the mishaleach. The power of shlichus is, it's so to speak, like I assume your identity relative to the shlichus. This is such a deep kinship. Automatically, if I do something, you did it, I didn't do it. Not because I didn't do it, but because the I is part of you. It's a fascinating concept. And he brings rayas, Rabbi Yosef Engel, Lekachtoiv, Klal Aleph. He brings rayas from dozens of places in Shas. What level of shlichus? Is, is, uh, is the first level, the second level, the third level. In the highest level, that's like there's complete oneness. So now, I don't remember what I said, not because it was impulsive, but because it went deeper than the ego 
that protects words. When I remember what I said, it's because my ego is protecting my words. There's a self-consciousness there. Do they like what I'm saying? Do they not like what I'm saying, right? <laughs> Are they going to invite me back? <laughs> Are they bored? Why is he texting? Why is he not texting? Why is he daydreaming on me? That's all. I'm not in the zone. I'm self-conscious. Why are you texting? Just joking. <laughs> He's not texting. <laughs> yeah. He was a Ralph Fasim. You know, a person who is a Ralph Fasim couldn't say. That was the Chiddush of Moshe. He was a Ralph Fasim. The Ran writes, Rabbeinu Nissim writes in Rosh Haran. Fascinating. Why Hashem had made it the first Jewish leader and the greatest Jewish teacher couldn't speak. Imagine you're sitting with a Rosh Hashiva for 40 years, and the poor man stuttering, and it's very, very hard. Why is it that Moshe Rabbeinu, from all people, his kayach was, his tayyad kayach and he couldn't speak. So the Ran says something very interesting. The Ran says that if Moshe would have had the gift, what we call oratory skills, oratory gifts, then you would think that he persuaded, through his gift of gab, he persuaded the Jewish people to accept tayyadah. Because people who have oratory power can do that. It's like a hypnosis. The Yemach Shemoynik from Germany had that power. Lahavdil. Hypnosis, the oratory skills are so powerful, they could literally abduct people's minds. It could be used in a positive way and it could be used in a horrible way, right? It's very, but it's very exploitive. So you would think, Moshe, yeah? A go- <laughs> when you have a good mouth, you could sell people the Brooklyn Bridge, the GW, why not the Tappanzee and put in the Williamsburg Bridge too? I tell you that mitzvah is so hard. Yeah, but that's the gift of gab. You convince people of whatever you need to convince them. And they could be gullible. But when you looked at Moshe, you knew there was no chance that happened. And the poor man couldn't communicate. So the only power he had was the truth, nothing else. It was the pnimius. It wasn't the delivery. There was no presentation. That's what Dan is saying. Alpi Kabola, Alpi right? What the Balatanya explains is what we learn Kvat Pek Kvat Lashon. It's higher than the world of Dibur. It can't be articulated and categorized in the world of Dibur. It's called Etzem Hachachma. Moshe was Etzem Hachachma. The Zoyer says Kvat Peh or Kvat Lashon Kvat Peh for Teresh and Kvat Lashon for Teresh Abiksav. I can't. The wisdom can't be articulated in the finite structure of Torah, which is language, which is Dibur. It's Etzim HaChachm. So on that level, and uh, it, it's, 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 it's the eye went to a place that's deeper than the eye. The source of awareness. Which is the source of the eye. And essentially that's Atzillus. And Atzillus, the eye... The keli is a flow of the ur, which is ein seif. In Bria, the awareness follows the eye, and in Atzillus, the eye follows awareness. God's awareness. In Atzillus, the eye follows God's awareness. Cosmic awareness, cosmic consciousness. And in Bria, already, there's something called separateness, it's lavush, so the awareness follows the eye. It's the eye that creates the awareness. So there could be very deep connection, but there's ultimately a certain sense of separation. It's a good question. You want to know if every neshama activates malachim. The answer is as follows. The machshavas that activate malachim 
are the machshavas that are the pnimius of the olamas. Right? When I'm having machshavas of my anxiety or my insecurities or my fears, those machshavas are coming from my own chitzenius. Right, 70,000 thoughts a day. And some of, and a lot of them are about the bank, IRS. <laughs> right? Your mother-in-law. Oh. Uh, and repeating themselves, all the fears and insecurities. But to something else. In every machshava, because lamata adin tachlis, or in every machshava, even the most mundane, foolish machshava, there is something of ain't safe there. <laughs> there's something, there's a spark hidden over there. It may be camouflaged and covered over with a lot of shtusim and arishkaitin, but there's something there. So that also activates the malach. Because the neshama is present in everything. It's not like my neshama says, you know what, it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I'm going to Gan Eden for a couple of hours. Here, it's a, I know it's now a hard time for you in the office, I'll detach. Even as I go through my external journeys, the soul is present. So therefore, in all of the thoughts, as external as they may be, there's a nekud there's a nitzah, there's a spark. That's why we say, Lo nidach, nothing will be lost. It's not just no people. No machshav is going to be lost. Lo nidach is no thought is going to be lost. Because every thought ultimately will be redeemed. Because even the most, uh, even the thoughts that reflect my lowest angels, <laughs> so to speak, or my most base instincts, have in it, they have in it the kayach hanasham. Sometimes it's on the contrary. The, the, the depravity of the thought is so profound because it has so much energy. It has so much energy. So when it falls, it falls with with a with a intensity that is much more powerful, right? Sometimes the worst addictions or or craziness and sanity are holding on to very deep, deep, deep truths. Yeah, so every, everything ultimately needs, needs halal. The Bashamdi used to speak about halas machshavazaris, halas hamidais, right? Sublimation of, of, of thoughts. You have to be in the right position to do it, because if you're in the machshavazara, you have to have boundaries. But the point is, is even on machshava. There's a story in Mezhebush, there was a, there was, there was a guy got into a fight in the shul with another man. Two balabatim of Mezhebush. And one of them got so upset, he told his colleague, he told his friend in Mezhebush, in Shul, in the Baal Shul, we went to Mezhebush, you know that Shul. So he tells his friend, I'm going to tear you like a fish. I'm going to literally take you and split you into two pieces like a fish. It's an interesting thing to tell somebody in Shul. Right? Huh? Huh? Yeah, 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 I'm saying, don't think that shuls only today were exciting. He got angry at him. He said, I'm going to tear you. But it's interesting. He didn't say, I'm going to sue you. I'll beat you up. I'm going to tear you like a, you know what you do to a fish, right? You tear. <laughs> that was his, you can understand the imagination of this person. So, uh, the Balshamtiv was there, you know, poor guy. The Balshamtiv was there from all people. The Balshamtiv had to be there, right? And the Talmudim were there. And the Balshamtiv, he took the Klas Talmidim and he put them in a circle and he would put sometimes his hands around them, you know, like in camp when they sing. And he sang a niggin and he asked him to close the eyes. 
And suddenly they were all horrified because they saw him tearing him like a fish. And the Baal Shem Tov said that every machshava is a reality. And it creates a reality. Maybe not a reality in Olam Hasiya, but a reality in Olam Habriya. It creates a reality. It's a dynamic. It's, it's a living reality. There's life there. There's presence there. So in a Olam Naila in a higher world, it happens. So the Baal Shem Tov says you have to understand the power of a machshava in the negative and the power of a machshava. And every dibur, here it wasn't a machshava, it was a dibur. So in a higher world, in this world, I just said, I'll kill you, I'll destroy you, I'll, I'll beat the living daylights out of you. But in a more, in a more subtle world, a world of energy, <laughs> that was the energy. So, so, you know, we have to understand that's the, that's the kayach of a neshama. It touches deep places of pneumias. And yet, everything could be salvaged because there is a. Okay, so, in summation, what we have been learning, explaining the Zoyer's words, that the light of infinity extends below, downward, till no end, and there's no space that you say is too low for the Oyrin Seif. And what that means is not just that God is everywhere, that's not the Chiddush, that's not his, that's his Pashtus, the Chiddush is Gilui. The Ein Seif is revealed lamata Tachlus, which means what you're seeing, what you're seeing, which seems as separateness, is really also a manifestation and a revelation of Ein Seif. And that's a Gavaldik Echidish, because you say this not only about Olam Ein Seif, Adam Kadman, and not only about Atzilus, where Iyu V'chayoyichad, Iyu V'garmoyichad, so there's Achtos, but even in the world of Bri Yitzir Asiyah, which is the world of Pirud, the world of disassociation, of fragmentation, even though Bria is still a very holy world. And Yitzhira is a holy world. And Asiya Haruchnis is also a holy world, a spiritual Asiya. But still the holiness over there is where they are, so to speak, Levushim for the Ein Soif. It's not complete oneness. So it's not like in Bria, there's evil and, and darkness and, and, and negativity. Bri is considered the world of Malachim and Ashamas. It's a very, it's called Olam Akisi, the world of the Kisya Kavan. But it's still called Pirud. Why is it called Pirud? Because it's the, it's the experience of Ein Saif. But there's the I experiencing it. Right? It follows the I. This becomes the definition of the I, but it's preceded by a sense of separateness. And that's the Chiddush of Eiden Saf Lamata Adin Tachlis in Bria Yitzidasi. And he says that, the Baal Shem Tev says, everything, every word has oilamus, neshamus, alakus. Right, that was the key. Oilamus, everything has three layers. The layer of oilamus, and the layer of neshamus, and the layer of alakus. Tachtiyim, shniyim, shlishim. Every word, you're building the teva, boyala teva, and that teva has three layers, three levels. And the avoid of the person is to be able to align the three, and to be able to access the connection to all three. And that's how everything experiences its ultimate aliyah. And he explained, Olam is the, generally is Bri Yitzir Asiyah, Neshamas is Atzilus, Kalim, and Alakus is Alakus Mamish, which is beyond Kalim, and the Baal says that the Neshama is the link between Olamus and Alakus. On one hand, the Neshamas come from Atzilus, where there's Kalim, but it's Atzilus, so it's Olam Achdus. We explained this at length, I'm just repeating the Nekud. Yet, as he continued in the Maimer, most neshamas are neshamas of Bria, Yitzir, Asiya. Which means most neshamas, even though every neshama originates in Atzilus, but most neshamas go through that consciousness of Bria or Yitzir and Asiya. There are those souls, 
Chad Bedara, unique in a generation of the Pchin of Moshe Rabbeinu in every generation, that's in a Shama of Atzilus. And Chad Bedara, it's one that the whole Deir is inspired by them and empowered by them. So really, just like you speak about Lamata Adintachlis in the world, Lamata Adintachlis is also in the Neshamas, that even the Neshamas that come down to Bri Yitzhira it's not like they're really detached. It's Lamata Adintachlis, the Eir itself, Lamata Adintachlis, even the way the Neshama comes down into Bri, it's still, it's the power of it is, that it brings out the Ein Soif in Bri, and therefore the Neshama is the Pnimius of the Eulamas, which ultimately can elevate all the worlds back to Elikus, because the Eirin Soif comes down in the Neshama in Eulam Abriya, Lamata Adin Tachlis. So those Neshamas, with the power and the help of the Neshamas Datsilis, are revealed in the world, the ultimate Iker Shechina B'Tachtoinim Ha'isa, the alignment, because they are the Pnimius Ha'ilamas. So even when they come down into Briya Tzirah these Neshamas ultimately are there to reveal what is the core at the, of, at the consciousness of the world, that it's not real fragmentation, it's Eirin Soif. That was the main the main point. We're holding Seif Hay, which is page Yud Zion in the Kuntras, Basi Lagani Tavshin Chav Gimel. It's page Yud Zion. V'zeu inyan Eirin Soif Lamata Adin Tachlas. This is what it means in Zoyad Eirin Soif is Lamata Dekoi Al Agilu Yvayis Bashtas B'Pchinas Ein Soif Ad Lamata Mat. This is a summation. It's referring to the fact that the Ein Soif, the Infinite One, extends and is revealed. All the way to the lowest place, in the levels of consciousness that are at the lowest and the last, the last and the lowest. The Hainu, what does this mean? Spiritually, they're called Mata, they're called the lowest, the lowest levels of reality. Why? Because of the sense of separateness and autonomy and independence and isolation and fragmentation. As the Semach Tzedek describes in the Kitzer, the abbreviation, the summation of the previous Torah of the Baal Shem Tov we learned earlier in the Lukud Torah of Gimel Prakim and the Maimir of Noyach, Maim Rabim, Shabitlas Almin, Shem Biyadik Lolos. Hainu Ak, Olam Hussein, Safat Silas, Subyayin, Ibn Egele, Olam Hussein, Afasisiv, Af Hifsik, Kibi Yitzirasi, Nikra Alma de Pruda. We spoke about the three worlds in the Zoyash, the Zoyash Hashem has three worlds. Ramah says that's Adam Kadm in the worlds of infinity. And it's Atzilas and Briyitzirasiya. It's also called Biyah Klolim, the collective Briyitzirasiya. Ak is Briya, and Atzilas is Yitzirah, and Biyah is Asiya, not individually, but Klolim. So when it comes to the third category, it's called Afasisif. The Pasuk says in Yeshaya, it's brought at the end of Prikiyavis, Koila Nikra Bishmi, Vilichvoidi, Brasiv, Yitzartiv, Afasisif. Between Yitzartiv and Asisiv, there's an Af. Also I made it. Av Hifsik. Af is a separation. Because here there is the concept of Alma de Pruda. What's called in Zoya the world of Pirud. The world in which things are scattered, in which things are isolated, in which things are fragmented. There's no cohesive, <coughs> cohesive oneness. And this is even true in Eilam Habriya. That's why it's called Bria. Atsilus is not called a Bria. It's called Atsilus. Atsilus means it's emanating. Like light emanates. Like the light that goes from one candle to another candle. It's not a new creation. It's an actualization. Atsilus is a revelation. But Bria is already called a creation. Even though that which is created is holy. And full of godliness. But there's already a sense of 
experience. There's already a sense of, uh, I am one with it. Rather than complete oneness. In Atzillus, there's absolutely no blockage, and therefore there's complete achdos. So that's why we say, there's already a union of a, of a hefsek. And that's the Chiddush of Lamata Adin Tachlis. This is not only true about the worlds and the Malachim, even the souls of Briyitzidasiya, they go through this Hefsik. In other words, the Nishamas themselves go into this Lamata Adin Tachlis. In addition, but now we go to the next stage. The light of Ein Soiv descends even into a lower sphere. As he continues, in the evolution of the light of Ein Soif through the worlds from level to level, you have to understand that it gets concealed and eclipsed with every descending madrega, with every descending step. To the point that when the Ein Soif arrives to the world of Galgalim, the world of Galim means the world of the planets, the heavenly planets, the celestial planets and spheres, and the world of Mazal is the world of constellations. This is the world of outer space, of stars and planets. The light becomes Mis'ava. Mis'ava means it becomes dense. It becomes materialized from the word Geshem. And that's why the flow of the energy that comes into our world, the lowest world, the physical world, is so connected to what's happening in the Galgalim and the planets and the Mazalis, the constellations. As the The sweetness of the grain that comes from the sun. And the sweetness of Geresh, of the various uh, grain produces, barley that comes from the moon, or Kamaimir, as the Medrash puts it, Ein lecha esav melmata, Medrash Rabbah, Ein lecha esav melmata, Shein le mazel melmayla, makabay vermelagdal. There is no blade of grass below that doesn't have a mazel, a spiritual, a spiritual, he just says the word mazel, so you have to understand what the word mazel means. It doesn't have some mazel, some force above that strikes it. <laughs> That's maka. It strikes the grass and says, Gdal, grow! What does this mean? <laughs> That's how grass grows? Some mazel that comes with a whip and whips it and says, grow? Oh, that's why it's growing so nicely. That I, that's how you make little children grow. You smack them and you say, grow! What does it mean? What it means is It means that there's an er, there's a light, and there's a divine energy that flows through the grass, through the medium of the Galgalim and the Mazalas, through all of the heavenly spheres. What does this mean? So he starts explaining. It seems very difficult to understand. 
At first glance, it's not understood. The Bishleim of Negeilis, Havu says, if she is having by for Namasim, Lelam Azagashmi, moving trees at Sarachlis, Ade Hamasim. I understand when you talk about the creation of the grass, you want it should be created in a way that's consistent with the physical world. Just the expression. You want it to be created in a way that's consistent with the, you could have created in a way that's not consistent with the physical world, which means you could have created spiritual grass only. But you want it to be created in a way that's consistent with the physical world. You have to hear the vocabulary. So I understand that you need a mazel. What's Pshat? You need a mazel. You need, the mazel represents that the Oirein Saif assumes an incarnation that the, the result of that is physical. But when you're talking about the growth of the grass, meaning the vitality that you see in the world, the dynamic vitality that you see in the world, the consciousness, whether it's in a person, in an animal, or in a tree, or in a blade of grass, or in a bush, or in a shrub, the mazel that says grow is already after the grass has emerged, and it's, gro- it's, it's already there, it already grew. It's not talking about creating grass from nothingness into somethingness. Over there, when you talk about this, you want a physical grass, so the energy right, goes through the mazel. But here you're talking about the growth from small to big, before it grew, who is the mazel talking to? When you say the mazel is telling the grass grow, it means there's already somebody to talk to, so to speak. The question is how it's going to develop. What are going to be the laws of the development of a blade of grass from, from in its process of growth? Or any other tree, this is just an example of grass, it's true about every flower, every, every, every single existence. So it's already talking about post-existence, and now you're talking about this grass should grow. So the question is, Since you're talking about the chiyos, the consciousness which is divine, why does this have to come through a mazel? So this is the explanation. Since the light descends and it becomes more concretized, more dense. So every flow in this world, not just the creation, but also the continuous growth, it goes through those realities that allow the light to become in, 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 to become uh, um, incarnated and assume the levushim that allow it to be concretized within physical grass and have the grass grow. So it seemed like there's a mazal to Yisro from this. Yes, every grass has a mazal. We'll explain in a moment what it means. And he summarizes this in the Maimer. We have to understand the humility of this. That alakus, godliness, is so concealed. It comes through so many layers of to the point that it's coming out as something that seems like it's just external and physical. It's just a blade of grass. When really, it's 
if this is such a great descent, this is the hafla, this is the stupendous wonder that Eirin Saif, it's really Eirin Saif, but it's Eirin Saif that came Lamata Adin Tachlis. What is he saying? Till now, we spoke about Bri Yitzir as whole, as, as a spiritual worlds. Over there, it's also Lamata. But this is still worlds, yeah, of Kedush. You're talking about souls, you're talking about Malochim, you're talking about Ganeid Nelian, Ganeid Natachlis. It's also called Lamata Adin Tachlis. But over there, there's a consciousness of Elikus. Now we're going already to the next level. Now we're talking about our world of Asiya, the physical world. When you look, what, what is he saying? We learn Hashem created the world. Hashem created the world. But the creator is not seen in creation. Right? In all of the science, they're trying to figure out where did everything come from? So even those who maintain the theory of evolution and this evolved from this and 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 all the way to the beginning, I don't know. It's not my responsibility. Science can't go there. Maybe in 50 years we'll find out. There's a break. Even though you want to go back to the Big Bang and before the Big Bang, what do you want from me? Before the Big Bang, I don't know. And why did the Big Bang happen 15.3 billion years ago? Why didn't the... Why didn't uh, the prebiotic soup get anxious 29 billion years ago? <laughs> there was no time. Because <laughs> there was no time. So what happened 15.3 billion years that the pressure was too much and the chocolate exploded? <laughs> it remains to be a theory. <laughs> and there's a reason. At some point you have to stop. You know why? Because you're going over the bridge from Yesh to Ayin. <laughs> you're going over to that bridge. The Bairi is called Ayin. Ayin means no thingness. And Yesh is thingness. And that bridge is an infinite leap. It's an infinite leap from Ayin to Yesh. That's called Hisavos. That's called creation. And here is the Chiddush. That the Creator created something that is not Ayin. It's Yesh. It could be measured, it could be looked at, it could be scrutinized. But that which is measured and scrutinized, including our brain, doesn't have the capacity to be able to go back and leap over the infinite gulf between Yesh and I. So some people will just say, I don't know, we, we don't know, you know, it's the best we can do. I can go back and back and back and back and back, but, but I can't graduate the properties of Yesh. That's when we're talking about Ishavos. So you say, obviously, for there to be an Asa, for there to be a grass, or however anything came into existence, right? it came from the Rebbe But here the Medrash is saying something else. We're talking about the growth of the grass. Here we're talking about the chemistry of creation, and that's the Chiddush. Creation itself, you could say, okay, God activated a process. He created even the original materials, <laughs> the original materials, right? Which then exploded, morphed into whatever they morphed in. However, all the various theories, etc. Huh? Are, are we, yeah. <laughs> that original replicative gene, however you want to describe that. The body brought that into being. But what is that? That is whatever it is. It's a cell, it's gas, 
It's bacteria, it's hydrogen, it's oxygen, it's helium, it's light. That's what it is. Yeah, God can create it. That's why he's God. I'm not God, I don't know how to create it. He can create it. But what is the world? The world is a world. Here he's saying something deeper. Grass grows because there is a mechanism, an incredible mechanism, right, that allows vegetation, shrubs, bushes, trees to grow. It allows living organisms to grow based on the manual and the blueprint of the DNA. What is that? What is that? So you could say it's it's the incredible mind of God that created this mechanism. So the Medrash says there's a mazel hamakabaivaimalegdal. What that means is essentially all physical chemistry that we're identifying is spiritual chemistry. And the physical chemistry is responding, it's mirroring, it's reflecting the spirit. It's almost the spiritual chemistry is I want you to take this energy and develop and actualize yourself in a physical setting. That's Pshat Oyrein Soif Lamata Adin Tachlis. Not that Hashem only created the world. The world itself is Oyrein Soif. What do you mean it's Oyrein Soif? This is a heartbeat. This is a living organism. Right? There are dynamics of science and chemistry. It says that is Oyrein Soif, the way it assumed density. So all of the laws of chemistry and every single dynamic in the physical world is essentially infinite divine light. But in order for it to be able to be absorbed and to be able to affect and to be able to become the life force of grass and have the dynamics of grass, the Eirin Tzayf had to go through tremendous, tremendous descents. Layer after layer after layer after layer. So when you speak about the different worlds, we're not speaking about really different worlds. We're speaking about the same reality. The question is, from which perspective? In Bria, the light went through one type of tzimtzum. So it still remains completely transcendent. In Yitzira, it assumes a more concretized incarnation. In Asiya, in the grass, or in the squirrel, or in the hyena, or in the star, it assumes a physical incarnation to the point that I could walk outside or inside, and I could see a rock, and I could see a deer, and I could see the sun, and I could see the moon, and I could see a tree. And what am I looking at? I'm looking essentially at the light of Ein Soif, the way it evolved or devolved and assumed a physical incarnation. So the very consciousness, the very chius of everything is essentially all divine. It's Ein Soif. But it's Ein Soif that came Lamata Adin Tachlis. So it's not just in the world of holiness. Every element in the world is this every aspect, when you're studying the dynamics of something, when you're studying the life force, when you're studying the processes, every nikudi essentially is all it's ain't soif. It's the way the ain't soif assumes a language and a vocabulary that's expressing itself in a grass growing. And that's the whole idea of the galgalim and the mazolas, as the earth descends. One world, another world, another world. It reaches this place where it assumes the identity of physical planets, physical spheres, physical stars, physical light. But essentially, even physical light. What is physical light? 
It's Eirein Seif, the way it's translated in the physical language. So it's a question of language. And therefore, if you trace it back to its source, you're going to infinity. So everything is a combination of the infinity and the finite. And that's why it's not just the creation of the grass, the chios of the grass, so to speak, the very consciousness of grass is Ein Seif. It's the way the Ein Seif had to come through a mazel in order for it to be translated into the life of a grass. You talk about an ant or a bee or a butterfly or a bug or a mosquito, it has a brain, it has consciousness. It's the consciousness of an ant. But you should know that it's Ein Seif. It's not the, it's a consciousness of Ein Seif. I, I see an ant, I don't see ain't Seif. <laughs> and I could study an ant for the rest of my life and still call myself an atheist. That's the idea of Lamata Mata Adin Tachlis. That the Eirin Seif went through so many Yeridis, so many filters, so many contractions, that it assumes the brain and the consciousness of an ant. Which, by the way, is incredible. <laughs> it's incredible what an ant does. It's incredible what a bee does. It's brilliant. If you learn 90 years, you get a PhD in the life of bees, you wouldn't know what a bee knows the moment it's, uh, it's hatched <laughs> and how hard it works. So essentially we have here the achdos. It's not God created the world. It's much more than that. The erin soif lamata dintachlis means everything in the world is, is, it's infinite light. That's what it is. It assumed a vocabulary or a, or a veneer, a real veneer, physical organization. And that's why it always depends on the glasses. I always quote Max Planck, right? He was one of the founders of uh, quantum mechanics. He's a Nobel, he received the Nobel Prize. He was a great, great physicist. And he once said, we used to think that consciousness is a derivative of matter. Today we know that matter, all matter is a derivative of consciousness. Which means it's the glasses you're wearing that define the reality you observe. And the, the, why is it that way? Because that's the truth. If I put on glasses of Olam HaAsiyah HaGashmi, right? I see a tree, I see grass. If you put on the glasses of Olam HaYitzirah, you're going to see Olam HaYitzirah, this very grass. We see it today even in science. Depending on the instrument you use, to look at reality, you see a different reality. You could see the outer surface. You could see it on an atomic level. You could see it on a subatomic level. Subatomic particles. And then you can go into a place where the laws of rationality completely go crazy. Right? Where you can't even talk about something being in one space. You can't even speak about fixed models. You have to talk about probabilities. And it's all the same reality. So who's crazy? And they say the reason why something collapses into a single model and goes out of the quantum state of reality into a limited state of reality is only because you're looking at it. <laughs> your, your glasses are guilty for living in such a finite world. What, what is that? It's not, but that's, that's, that's the ultimate truth about reality. And if we put on the glasses of the Alter Rebbe, what are you going to see? You'll see, Eirein Seif. <laughs> that's Pshat Einoid Mulvada. Yeah. Well, the neshama also, here we're putting everything into that category. We're not making a differentiation. Yeah. 
The neshama is the one who who, who's, who, who talks about this. <laughs> the neshama feel the neshama feels the ayin because the neshama comes from ayin. So the neshama feels this. <laughs> science is a chiddush of Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu was the first scientist. What did Avram Avinu know? Avram, Avram Avinu said, this, even the words, there's laws of nature. You know, it sounds very scientific. That's a very, very deep spiritual idea. Laws of nature. In other words, nature is adhering. Nature has some... Uh, who abides laws in this world, yeah? Get one classroom to abide laws. Who got all the laws of nature to work in synchronization for I don't know how many years, and nobody rebels. They do rebel. People. <laughs> no, I know people rebel. <laughs> 5,000 years, the sun never had a bad day. The moon is a little lunatic. But uh, the Gemara says, The moon doesn't know if he's coming or going. We reflect the moon. We have to have something in heaven that we should be able to feel kinship with. So we made a calendar around the moon. Lunacy. But Shemesh Yadam no, it's a chiddush, right? Laws of, of uh, what's it called? Uh, <coughs> when something naturally disintegrates. Uh, huh? Entropy. Right? You ask your teenage girl to clean up her room. She says, don't worry. Based on the universe, I'll just leave it as is. And with every week, it's going to become more organized. You're going to come in after a month. It's going to be a churban. Shabbat you come in after a year when it wasn't touched, you know what it looks like. With our universe, exact opposite. <laughs> so Avram Avinu started to be Megala this Achdos. But that's the Achdos that is a Boire. Here we're going further. Vayikrasham B'Shem Hashem Kel Oilam. Asks the Ramban, it should have said Kel Ha'olam. Vayikrasham B'Shem Hashem Kel the God of the world. So the Balatanya says, no, it's not the God of the world, it's Kel Oilam. God is the world. That's the achtos. What do you mean? The nature and God is like a body and a soul. Yeah. Nature and God is like a body and a soul. It's like the hand and the glove. But it's not a hand and the glove where it's two separate things. It's, it's an embodiment of Ein Saif. That the word embodiment is the right word. It's an embodiment. It's literally the Ein Saif becoming embodied in the chemistry that I am looking at in a drop of water, or in a grain of sand, or in a flake snow, or in a star, or in the brain of an elephant, or in one of the 70 trillion cells in the human organism, or in one of the 100 billion neurons, or in one of your white blood cells, or, or red blood cells. Every blood cell is an embodiment, it's an embodiment of divine energy. And that's why the very same reality, if you could put on a deeper more transcendent pair of glasses, you're going to see consciousness. I don't see consciousness because my retina, right? There's an expression in Chavis Alavavis, kol chush toifes mi Everything can grasp a reality based on its own identity. Right? The famous Marshall of Heisenberg, I told you many times, he wrote to Einstein, if you have a net and each hole is nine inches, you're not going to grasp you're not going to catch fish that are smaller than nine inches. <laughs> it's a very important idea. The reality we grasp is based on the net that we use. <laughs> I can't expect that my eye, the retina of my eye, right, should be able to grasp consciousness. So it looks at a table, it sees table. 
It looks at a blade of grass, it sees grass, and that's amazing. And it's supposed to be that way. That's why we make a brach on an apple, but it creates. We don't look at an apple and we say it's Olam Hatzilus. I don't believe that the grass or physical matter has consciousness. In fact, consciousness is, is uh, defined in science more. And the closest definition I saw, which from Yuval Hariri, is that consciousness is an ability to experience pain. I know you love it. I know, I know, I know. You mentioned the right name. You mentioned the right name for this class. I just saw another Hariri who is his relative. And he's uh, the young man. So don't, don't, don't judge. We just learned that he's also going to wear a yarmulke one day. <laughs> if you study his apicursus, if you study his heresy, you could see how Jewish he is. I once said from Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, he says, I don't understand why Charles Darwin was not a Jew. He said he was such a good apicurus. He should he we straight with Marx, straight with Freud, fit right into that category. How in the world did he become a guy? He said it must be a random mutation. <laughs> but, 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 but in essence, what is the creation of consciousness? To feel pain, yeah. I know you, Valarari, yeah. No, it's actually... With all due respect to him, he's a smart guy and an Oxford historian. But his books, Sapiens, etc., have a very, very blatant agenda <laughs> that's very apparent behind there. Yeah. yeah, he's a very That's how Tatum defines itself in a very evil way, right? Okay, but let. But he's very needs his experience also. No, but it's right. He's, that, that's, the, that's the thing. That's the thing. That's part of Lamata Din Tachlis. Yeah. How do I square the concept that I am mazel of Yisrael? We have a mazel. It's we are created beings, but the, it's a the astrology of Avram Avinu is a. So the Alter Rebbe writes, "Ain mazel Yisrael is I in mazel Yisrael." <laughs> yeah, what here we're talking about is that every single physical reality in the world is really an embodiment of a deeper energy that is embodied through the physical. So when you're studying something, you're studying simultaneously. You're studying it in Olam HaAsiyah, Olam HaYitzirah, Olam HaBriah, Olam The question is, which layer of reality are you identifying? And that's based on the tools that you have. If I had microscopic eyes, I would look at this very table, and I would see something much deeper. And it's not a contradiction. The Kali defines the reality. Based on which level. And why is that? It's not a mistake because the Eirein Seif went through all these levels until it assumes and becomes embodied in my nervous system. Your nervous system is also Ein Seif. People wonder, why is the body so smart? The body is not so smart. God is smart. <laughs> the body is, your nervous system is an embodiment of Eirein Seif. Yes, it's not Eirein Seif the way it's experienced in the world of Ein Seif. It's the way it's experienced as a nervous system. The same is true with the cellular system. The same is true with all of the nine biological systems that we operate with, whether it's the, the, the respiratory, the digestive, the urinary, whatever it is, all these systems. And every nakud, every prat has a mazel. What does it mean it has a mazel? A mazel beats it and says, it's not that it beats it. It's, it's getting a cue. It's getting its cues. 
there's a flow, there's always a flow. It's never, there's no, there's no interruption. And when I say flow, I'm making with my hand, but I don't mean a flow like this. It's not necessarily a hori- vertical or a horizontal flow. What I mean a flow is, right, not a spatial flow, but I mean a flow is that the very physical fluctuations and the very physical, let's say, circulation is ain't circulating. It's the way, it's a suit of vocabulary and an image of what you call blood. Because it went all the way down and it comes through the mazel that's, that's giving it its cues. You're quantum mechanics here because uh, in order for things to exist, you need to have an observer. So it looks like a mazel. Yeah. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. In quantum mechanics, you're saying that in order for it to exist the way it exists, you need an observer. That's exactly the point. If, if an ashama of Bria was looking at the same blade of grass, it would see something else. Because you and I are looking at it. We also see different things. But we could see, we see the Eirein Serv, the way it assumed a Gashmi is the Ketzir. It, it embodied a physical seer. And that's why he said matter is a derivative of consciousness. In other words, what makes it matter is that I believe it's matter. <laughs> I think it's matter, therefore it's matter. And if I indeed, if I, if indeed my consciousness operated on a different layer, on a different layer, I would very see a different reality. When I look at the grasses, I see the Fibonacci numbers. Yeah. Yeah, that's how it is. People see different layers of existence. An architect comes into a house, he sees something else than I see. Right? Your wife comes into the house, what does she see? A mess. I come into the house, what do I see? A nice house. I don't see the mess, unfortunately. <laughs> the architect comes into the house, he sees completely something else. A musician, you know, a musician hears music. I hear music, I say, it's nice. It's a nice song. <laughs> the musician hears something else. You know what I mean? I see musical notes in a piano book. What do I see? I see black lines that I don't understand. Right? A musician opens up the book and, and he's in ecstasy. He's smiling. What, what are you smiling? I just saw black dead lines. To you, they were black dead lines. I saw music. They once asked the Baal Shem Tev, why the Chassidim, when they daven, they with passion. It wasn't common then. People, it was a, shuls were more like very dead. Mm-hmm. Baal you know, he was encouraged, but the davening with passion. So, so he said that there was once a man, and he came into a shtetl, and in the middle of town, he saw everybody dancing. And they were holding hands and dancing they were with, with such ecstasy. And he sells, he tells his friend, this, this place is a Meshuggah place. It's the middle of the, we, the day, they're supposed to be working, but he's dancing. John said, unfortunately, he was deaf. And he didn't hear that there was a musician that was playing the most beautiful music, and everybody was drawn into the music. So he says, I teach my students, they shouldn't be deaf. There's music where you see black, black lines, it's a music. It's not lines, it's music. It's hey, Bantansen. I, te- I try to teach my students not to be deaf. That's what he answered. So who's right? <laughs> the answer is, if, <laughs> I see black, no, I, all I see is a grass. So the manager says, don't look at the grass. Understand there's a mazla, makaba, this growth is, is being translated into it. 
That's why there's no division between science and Yiddishkeit. It's one of the struggles people have. They struggle. When you learn this, you understand. It's not just two worlds. It's Hainuach. If it's real science, we have to respect the fact that science has a lot of theories. And by definition, a theory means that based on my knowledge till today, this is my most probable explanation. In a hundred years, I don't know, maybe it's going to be disproven. But if something is real science, what is it? It's the Bode being reflected in the Bria. Lamata aden tachlis. So if I'm stunning a blade of grass, what am I stunning? I'm stunning Eirin Saif. <laughs> you're stunning a heartbeat, you're stunning Eirin Saif. You're stunning the human brain, you're stunning Eirin Saif. That's what the Altar Rebbe says, Eov says, for my flesh I will perceive God. So most translations are, when you look at the flesh, you understand as a designer. The Altar Rebbe said, no, from the system of the human brain, you can understand the lakus. That's why in all the Maimarim, there's always Meshalim from, from how the soul works and Kaychis HaNefesh. What, you're, you're a proof on God. What are you a proof? Yeah, of course you're a proof. <laughs> of course you're a proof because you're an embodiment of it. That's why I'm not talking psychology. You always think I'm talking psychology. I'm not talking psychology. The whole psychology is just a tool to be able to explain Chesidus. <laughs> It's not this is a tool to explain psychology. The whole psychology is just a technique to be able to understand a little more Ein Soif. If I speak about Ein Soif, if I speak about trauma, you understand? And that's why psychology was created. What do I think psychology? You think Freud created psychology to make a living? He had an Ashom also, Freud understood that in our generation, to be able to be Teufus Chsidis, you're going to need the language of psychology so that people can be able to internalize it. If you just talk Stam, it's not going to relate to them. Huh? Freud. Yeah, his name was Schleimala. <laughs> Sigmund was named as Schleimala. Of course. Of course, Nishamas grow. If the body grows, the neshama grows. Remember, all growth is an embodiment of the mazel. The mazel grows. There's a marshal of the Alter Rebbe. He says, the sweetness of an apple. This is what he says, the sweetness of an apple. And there's the sweetness of a svara. You say, wow, what a sweet idea. He says, and there's the sweetness of a nigan. What a sweet song. And there's the sweetness of love. He says, they all evolve from each other. But when I'm tasting an apple, I don't hear a nigger. <laughs> I say, wow, it's a good apple. <laughs> That's what it means when you're meyachet oilemis, neshamas, and alakus, when you're tasting an apple, you're not just tasting the sour, tarty taste, which is brilliant, how nature knew how to do that, to create such fruits, right? Nature knew what I would like, Yeah. Right? And nature packaged it and designed it and tells me when it's ripe. And it was all a mistake. Remember that. And it happens to be that nature also created and made sure that all of the living organisms should be able to be replenished. It happens to be that our biological systems are so in sync that everything that grows, or a lot of things that grow, have the power to replenish us. And it was all a mistake. 
Not bad. Whoever did all these mistakes, I always say whoever is behind these mistakes was a pretty brilliant guy. I'd like to meet him. Halavai, I should make so many mistakes. There is a of knowledge of God, right? No. Leda Hashem. The Rambam. Rambam Yisoyed Yatoyed Peirik Beis. Ketzad Hiyaderech How do you come to Ava and Yire? And the Rambam says, you study God's world. Take a look, a beautiful piece of Rambam. He's very, very intricate over there, the Rambam. I was talking once to a group of teenage girls from a very prominent school in Brooklyn. And one of the girls, very intelligent, she says, I can't love God. I can't relate to him. He's transcending. You don't love something that's invisible. So I asked her, what do you love in life? She said, I love biology and I love science. I said, according to the Rambam, you love God already. You love him. You love the way God is manifested. Who is he created? What do you think biology is? What is biology? (laughs) It's not just he created it. It's much deeper than that. That's what we're talking about. Not just his havos, the chayas. The chayas is the chemistry, the life, the consciousness, the design, the substance. Every aspect of physicality is simply a hishtalshalos, it's a, a, an embodiment of the Nikud of Ein Saif. The question is how much it evolved, how many incarnations it assumed, how much the Ein Saif is eclipsed. Yes, that, that depends on, on what you're talking about. Sadiq so said that you're not interested in science, you're not interested in miracles. Right. People are afraid of it as though the world was created by the Satan. <laughs> According to this, better become biologists than can be the problem. No, right? but we, we no, 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 no. You're right. You can distort science. You're right. You're right. You're right. When somebody when somebody has an agenda in science, right to dis to to to, to use science as a tool against Ruchnius, that's not science. That's Lamata Adin Tachlis. That is it. The Ein Sof comes down in a way that it can be completely hijacked, disassociated, manipulated, and exploited. That's Lamata Adin Tachlis. That, that, very good, what you said. That, that's the most, probably, vicious embodiment, one of the most vicious embodiments of it. You triggered me. You triggered me. Think about Dr. Joseph Mengele, a doctor, a respectable doctor. Germany produced the most PhDs before the war, came from Germany. What did he use medicine for? He wanted to advance the practice and the wisdom of medicine. How? And what did he use it for? Right? It's such a tragic and classic example of that. Perverted in the most depraved and extreme of ways. And yet that wisdom of medicine that he was advancing, I don't know if you know that till today, when America studies uh, people freezing to death, what is it called? Hyper... uh, Huh? Yeah. And and how soldiers, how long soldiers could be in the cold, right? Where do they get their studies from? I don't know. They, They use Nazi Germany. They, 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 they did these studies. I don't know if you know, but the the best maps of anatomy, the best maps of anatomy. You know, the nervous system is so intricate. Even you think till today, twenty twenty three, we know anatomy is so subtle. The best maps were created 
by the Nazis in the 1930s and 40s based on all of their victims. They had so many bodies to study. And there's doctors still today in very big hospitals. I know somebody, there was a whole story, somebody went through a surgery. Huh? I told the lecture on Shrua, somebody went through a surgery and the doctor got stuck and he said, I need, I need that, that, that book. And it was a, Jew, it was a Jewish woman. <laughs> it was a Jewish woman. And, you know, she felt guilty that her life was saved based on the research that was done with the corpses that they had without number because of all the people they murdered. This is Jews from the concentration camp. I'm just giving you an example of how perverted the wisdom, right? The map of the body is is, is, is an incredible map. How they use that wisdom. This is... Yeah, yeah. So this is the Vart. This is part of the Lamata de Tachus. This is already the next level. Not just Bri Yitzirasi as worlds of Kedusha. This is already the way it comes down all the way into our physical world. And what is it? It's Eidin Seif Lamata de Tachus. So when a person, it's also that way. When you speak about a piece of grass, a blade of grass, it's also a person. That every emotion we have, every sensation we have, our life force, my consciousness, which includes my sensations and my experiences and my emotions and my impulses. That's my chios. A grass doesn't have my consciousness. It has its consciousness. It's busy asking itself, good morning, how much should I grow today? That's the question of the grass. The human being wakes up in the morning and says, good morning, what should I do today? <laughs> grass never has that question. They never doubt what they have to do. You think I should quit my job and get a new job? You think it would have been easier to be somebody else? You think I want to be me? <laughs> right? A dog never has that question. A dog never says, to piddle or not to piddle? That is the question. To be or to be not? That is the question. But we wake up in the morning. That's our consciousness. Never think that it's divorced from Eirein Soif. It's Lamata Adin Tachlas. If you go to the Pnimius of it, you'll be able to see even what we call Yetzirah. Sahara are the impulses that are, that, are, that are low. That are low. That's going to be the next piece. Till now we're talking about a blade of grass. A blade of grass is not evil. A blade of grass is neutral. In Tanya it's called Klipas Noiga. It's a klipa, but there's a light. You could use it for beautiful things. You could use it to design the Shulan Shvuas for those who do it. <laughs> not the Minig Hagra, but uh, other Minhagim. You could use grass for many other beautiful things, right? Huh? That's the main thing. That's what everybody does here. Grass juice, $20 an ounce. It's, uh, it's as close <coughs> to the blood cells as it, as it gets. Yeah, yeah. Etc., etc. But then the next step is when you come to Clipper, when you come to real Clipper, in other words, when you come to the world we call the world of evil. The question is, does the Lamata Adin Tachlis go there too? That's the last shtickle of the Maimer. Bezir Hashem will do tomorrow. Tomorrow will begin 7.45 a.m. Because they finished davening a little earlier and we have a woman's class at 9.30. So I'm going to wish everybody a beautiful, meaningful, an inspiring and unifying day between Eilamus, Neshamus, and Elokos. Look over the Eirach from London.
is everything. And then there's the spiritual meaning of Dava B'Shem that we spoke about. Right? So I guess it looks like I'm triggering somebody by, by mentioning some names. So I don't want to be... <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't want to delay Mashiach. In this class, in this class, we try to teach everybody not to be afraid of triggers. Every trigger, every trigger is going to come back. It's like, am I, am I true to, to the Oilem or not? So if I don't say something in the name, we'll say that. So I, I'm just covering it up. When a person when a person is being triggered, it means that something touched me in a deep place, right? So there's there's something there that I want to explore, <laughs> right? Something the lion woke up, right? The bear was woken up, and if it's a real trigger, it's a it's a scary lion, right? So you want to know what uh, what just happened? The curiosity can lead a person to very profound awareness. <laughs> It's coming and hearing your Thank when a father thinks how he's going to communicate this to his child in a way that's loving and effective, it's a different conversation. Rather than, you don't do this in my house. You understand? That's the best thing to do. If you, I believe, not think, if you're just in the right place. That's what I mean. But when you talk, you don't break my Right, but that's what machshava means. Machshava doesn't necessarily mean that I sit and I think, okay, now I'm going to tell you, good morning, how are you? Machshava means that the dibur is coming from my source. It's, I'm in the flow. I'm in the flow. In the flow, machshava precedes dibur. Machshava is consciousness. Machshava is not just active thoughts. You never said like when you teach you probably put sample for this. You said something brilliant. That's true. The best things, the best things I didn't think about. That's true. Constant. That's the main thing of a class. The main thing of a class is not what I prepare. You have to prepare. <laughs> You're right. Exactly. Exactly. Reb Tzvi understood. I think the biggest concealment that Hashem is playing the world right Yeah. So the creation happens every moment. And he says, I understand why creation happens through the mazel. Because you have to create something that's physical, that's consistent with the physical world. When you're talking about the chayas, the life, the life is the spiritual, the spiritual consciousness. Why does that have to go through the mazel? And the answer is, because it's not that there's a spiritual consciousness that's removed from the world. The spiritual consciousness is begilui in the world. In other words, it assumes a physical 
incarnation. It becomes the embodiment. That becomes the physical chemistry. So it has to go through the mazel. So it has to go through the mazel. Not just the ishavos, but also the chayas. This is consistent with the whole maimer, that it's not that the Ein Soif is mispashat everywhere. God is everywhere. It's begilui everywhere. Begilui means that it's absorbed by the creation within its vessels. The grass looks at itself. It's a grass. That is Ein Soif. That's the Chiddush of the maimer. The gilui, the gilui. Not just this pashtus. The tzaddik of Atzillus, he sees the world from the prism of Atzillus. He sees achtus. Eidus bekelem. Ezo chachem haroya sanoilad. Alter Rebbe says in Tanya, perik mem gimel. Chachma means you see everything being born. Being born. Haroya sanoilad, being born. That's what chachma is. Ezo chachem. So you have an Ashamba like Moshe's Chachma of Atzillus. That's an Ashamba. It's called Achim Vireyim Lamakam. Brothers of Zah. You have lower Ashambas that come from Zah Nukva. They're still in Atzillus. But they're on a lower level. And then you have Ashambas. Most Ashambas are Briyat Sirasiyah. So you have three levels of Ashambas. Just like we spoke about three levels of Olamus Einsaif, Atzillus and Biyah. So within that itself, in Ashambas you also have three levels. You have neshamas like Moshe, that's like Ein Saif. You have neshamas of Atzillus, that's like the second level of neshamas that come from Yichud Zun. And then you have most neshamas, which are in the third level, Bri Yitzir So you have these three on different levels. And yet the neshama is the pnimius of every Olam, meaning even the way the neshama comes down in the lowest place, the neshama represents the link to higher. That's the Chiddush of the neshama. The neshama never goes through the real detachment. It always remains attached in detachment. In other words, the power of the soul is to show how the individual identity, which apparently is detached, is really one with the infinite. Without compromising the detachment, without compromising the embodiment of the self. That is really what the self is. That's the kayach of the neshamas of Biyah. And that's where they give the malachim. That's where the malachim do shira after the neshamas. Malachim grow? Do they experience not like neshamas. It says v'nasati lecham mahalchem bein ha'imdim ha'elin. The malachim are called oimdim, and neshamas are called mahalchem. Because even though neshamas grow, it's more of a predictable, consistent orbit, where the soul is capable of quantum leaps on bo- in both directions. So it's a different level of growth. They they suffer, right? If I I don't know what the, whatever definition of neshamas is, but looks like it's a place where people suffer, or I mean neshamas suffer or have pain. So I would understand the neshamas, even in the oilmas uh, without the bodies, they might experience some pain. I don't know, or maybe some. They yeah. Joy, some yeah, pain, yeah, 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 yeah. But they, there is a yeah. It's most likely experience of uh, these feelings, right? Malochim, I don't know. Looks like they're just uh, like a text message, you know. Send a text message to this guy. And You're saying malochim are like artificial intelligence. More like, yeah. More like <laughs> That's what, that's why, at least from, from what I, I hear you. Interesting. I can't, I can't get the feelings. <laughs> what they say? Huh? What they say? It says Malach is Ava, Malach Gavriel is Zira, Gvura. Music. We learned Shir Hashirim. All the music in the world comes from Shir. Shir is Hanashamas. Shir Hashirim. He said, the Maggit says, 
Shir Hashirim. All the songs in the world come from the one Shir. So when I compose music, where does it come from? My Hashem? It comes from when you're in the flow. It's coming from the source. Yeah. Vayhi kenagin hamenagin. Vayhi kenagin hamenagin. Because someone said that the Shar Hanagina is near the Shar. Yeah, it says that. There's an old vart. There's an expression in Yiddish, Chazonim and Aronim. The cantors weren't always considered the brightest people. They said, why? Because the Hechel Hanagin is right near the Hechel HaTshuva. So if you're a Chazan and you're in the Hechel Hanagin, you should already go into Hechel HaTshuva. <laughs> you're already there. Why don't you go into that? It's an old vart. <laughs> it's a way of expressing an idea. Now, if you're already there, there's a Sefer, there's a commentary on Megillus, Esther, called Monas Halevi. It's a commentary that was written by the Shloim Halevi El Kabatz. He's the composer of Lechadoidi. He was a brother-in-law of the Ramak, Moshe Kortavero. He was, he was murdered in Svas. He's buried in the old cemetery there. Shloim El Kabatz. He wrote Lechadoidi, the poem. He has a commentary called Monis Halevi. So he says, a Chashvedish made a beautiful feast. 187 days. He had everything there, right? You see, in terms of design in terms of drinks, beverages, in terms of food, in terms of hospitality, everything. He says, the one thing you don't see is music. No music, why not? That's what he asks. And he answers that a Cheshverish wanted to take, it was an opportunity to take the Jews away from their past. He used the Kalim of the Beis HaMikdash, Nenu Russia, and he knew that music, any type of music, triggers the Neshamas. It brings people to tshuva. Let's say he didn't have music. That's what he writes. Huh? And he says that's why children, infants, even in the womb, respond to music. Because the souls in heaven are always singing. So when they come down, there's a sense of, of music that they still respond to. The neshamas in the source, there's a lot of shira. Shir hashirim. Well, here we're talking about Bria. I love my Bria. See a little boy who stand in front of the video of the Rebbe. The Rebbe starts singing the other just light up. There was once an experiment done in the Wall Street, Wall Street Journal. I don't know if you know Joshua Bell. He played the violin in the subway station. Washington, 8 o'clock in the morning. 8 o'clock in the morning. Joshua Bell is one of the biggest violin. They wanted to see how people will respond when there's no concert. You know, the art doesn't have a frame. He's not publicized. They don't even, he's wearing a baseball cap and rags, you know. He looked like a homeless fellow playing the violin. He was holding on to the Stradivarius, probably $15 million. And, uh, no, it, it's a sad, it was a sad experiment because the amount of people that stopped was minuscule, but he was in a rush. You know, he got, he came away with $32 and he did some of the most beautiful, beautiful compositions and symphonies <laughs> and he says the worst thing is you finish and there's nobody to applaud nobody noticed that you finished <laughs> right because it shows that people if the if the if the art is not publicized there's no added newspaper that tomorrow there's going to be a concert and you have to pay ten thousand dollars for back seats it's in the subway it can't be good it's real but people are not real <laughs> So they were looking what demographics, was there a demographic of people, relative percentage-wise, that was drawn? And they found one, children. There was a disproportionate amount of children that stopped 
and turned around, and their parents slept them. So we got to go. It was eight and nine. We got to go to school. We got to go to the doctor. Their parents slept them. Disproportionately, it was children who responded to the to the music. It's crazy. There was a black man working in a kiosk in the subway station, and he was sweeping. And he snuck out of the store and he was sweeping around the store just to be able to watch. So there were people who, uh, they felt something. But the majority of people, they, uh, very powerful experiment. That part that there was another experiment where people played music in the ocean. And when they played, played bad music, nothing happened. But when they played good music, dolphins started to yeah. jump out and in synchronous movements with the music. Yes, it was amazing. Musical brains, yeah. I also once saw, I also once saw somebody playing music um, with elephants, elephants around, and they were really, they 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 really responded. It was very powerful. You know, we always learned that the the animals are are histalshlus of chayus hakodesh. Every animal, every behemoth comes from one of the malachim. <laughs> So there's a lot of uh, a lot of spiritual energy there. It's just the way it's embodied in animals. The Rechaim says that lions, yeah, in this Shirish are higher than kosher animals. Pnei Ariel Hayamin in the Merkava, the lions are on the right, but when they come down, they come down into a more brute and aggressive demeanor because they come from a higher Shirish. So it's actually dependent on each other. So you see in a lion much more uh, vigor. So we translate the vigor as beastly, as undomesticated, as dangerous for good reason. <laughs> but really what it is, is it's a, it's a deeper intensity of Kedusha. But the way it comes down, it assumes a completely different uh, veneer. It's actually, if you look deeper, you know, there, there's a, there is a guy who adopts the lion and grew them up. The way the lion has a passion yeah, yeah. It's phenomenal. He embraces him. Yeah. Did you see a cow embracing him? Right, right. The intensity of emotion is very powerful. Right, it comes from chesed. From, but but it teaches us that sometimes the deepest forms of love, when they trickle down many, many levels, they can have a very different expression. Sometimes the, the deepest aggression is coming from the deepest love. That's Pshat Lamata Adin right? If my love was hurt, my aggression has to be much stronger to protect me. <laughs> so all the aggression you're seeing is really sensitivity. It's a very profound idea. This is the idea. This is one of the main akudas here. What looks like the greatest distortion Right? It's just commensurate with how much infinity it's hiding. It's very, very, uh, you understand? The more ain't safe it's hiding, the more intense the distortion, because it has to hide a lot. It can't just put on a little, a little, uh, clip, a little shell. It's gonna burst out the ain't safe. So I have to create a blockage that is so much more powerful. It's an ishpashat. Huh? boy, yeah, the aggression coming from Ava. Biyot Chazaka, Biyot Chazaka. Okay, yeah. Ah, the Majid say, yeah. Yeah. And afterwards, they, they, they sang to him, he said, I composed that? Yeah. Yeah, he was in the zone. 
Also, the Majritsa had a surgery in Berlin, you know. They couldn't do anesthesia. He said he's going to compose a song, and when he's singing it, they should do the surgery. I think it was the song he composed, uh, Elaskara. It's a song they sing in Majritsa at his yard site, Yud Gimel Kislev. They sing it once or twice a year. I think Ela Esker, I think it has 32 stanzas, maybe more. They sing it on his yards, and I think they sing it Yom Kippur, Rosh Hashanah. Yeah, it's, I, I've heard the nigan. They did this surgery in Berlin while he was singing the song without anesthesia. The Majid Tzirebbe is a Kayach that was unbelievable. Yeah. The ego blocks, blocks the Ein Saif. We want to be able to relax the ego. But what we're learning here is that even the ego is also an embodiment of the Ein Saif. It's just a distortion. So we have to unburden the ego of its unnecessary uh, shells. That's how tra- you transform it. Yeah, so there's, when you speak about ego, there's an unhealthy ego and there's a healthy ego. So we have to be careful to distinguish. We could live, we could try to live with an un, without an unhealthy ego. The unhealthy ego is the ego that takes us away from ourselves, from other people. That's the unhealthy ego. Yeah, it's the ego that's there to cover up my real self. I'm afraid to live with my real self, so I create a counterfeit self called the ego. Ego stands for easing God out. But then there is the ego in terms of the, the healthy ego, the real ego. There's an expression from the Mithla Rebbe, the Yesh HaNivra is really an expression of the Yesh HaMiti. The Yesh of the Nivra in its truest sense is an expression of the Yesh HaMiti. It's the self that reflects the divine self. That you don't want to get rid of. <laughs> in fact, you can get rid of it. Yeah. When the Mishnah says in Sanhedrin, Chayev kol echad vechad loimar, b'shvili nivra ha'olam, Every person has to say the world was created for me. That's not, that's a healthy ego. It sounds arrogant, right? The world was created for me. But what it really means is that there's something at stake in my existence that the whole world needs. That's a motivator. That's a motivator. But that's not unhealthy. Like, how do you have motivation if nothing is for you and you don't have anything else? The Daf's learning Mechsidus, that's the Gleich Verstein. That's learning Chabad Chesidus, that's the Verstein. What we hear in all these stories is just words. We don't feel the experience. When you just hear words, it's not going to make sense. Because you're asking a good question. What's going to be the motivation? When they said they don't want to feel any Pneus, it's not that they want to become Shmatas. Kaskupan addresses. It means that they want that their self shouldn't be a blockage of the Ein Saif. They want that their very selves should be a conduit for Hashem's self. So it actually, they become more powerful, not less powerful. You understand what I'm saying? If you're a Shliach, you're more powerful than if you're not a Shliach. You know why? Because you have the Koyach HaMashaleach. If you have the Koyach HaMashaleach and he's infinite, you're more powerful, you're not less powerful. So the bittel and the confidence come together. The deepest bittel creates the deepest confidence. Because bittel doesn't mean 
I'm a nothing, step on me, slap me in the face, here, take the other cheek, slap me again, here's my cheek, slap me again. And I'm a shmata, I'm a nobody, and the more you insult me, the better it is, because I'm such a shmata and I deserve it. That's chitzainius and it's not real. You understand what I'm saying? The pnimius of it is that there's no separation between me and Hashem. Now that's very, very deep. What does that even mean in a person's life? But it means that I don't have to protect myself. I can let go, I could surrender because I'm falling into something that's absolutely real. So I don't have to I don't have to be uptight. I don't have to protect myself. I don't have to wear a bulletproof vest in every conversation. I could be completely open and transparent because my real self can just relax. And that's the hardest. Because that means I have to let go. That means I'm in a place of trust. But that's power. It's not that you let yourself be abused. It's that what other people call abuse, you may not even it it may not even affect you because you're coming from a much deeper place. You don't have time and energy to be angry with people because you're in a much more wholesome place. So when you say these tzaddikim, they didn't get angry, and the Gemara says, Hanel lovin veinam oilvin, shaymin cherpasam veinam eshivim, right? You can embarrass me, I don't answer. It's not that I, I'm so insecure <laughs> that the more you embarrass me, the better it is. It's rather what somebody... <laughs> I gave a speech here in the tent. Uh, when was it? A few of you were there. One of the Yom Tovim, uh, Shabbos Shuvah Shabbos. So my son was there. You were there probably. I quoted a Gemara. I said, it's a Meseches Shabbos. So you know my son Mendel. So he gives a scream. It's Mesech the Beitza. Mesech the Beitza. Fine. So I looked who is it. I didn't know I heard it. I looked. I said, it's my son. I said, you're right. Probably Meseches Beitza. Okay. It's actually in both. But whatever. And I smiled. It was actually very beautiful. It was very beautiful that he knew the Gemara. I was very proud of him. <laughs> a yid comes over to me the next Shabbos. And he says, How much Musr did you learn not to get humiliated at that moment and actually scream at your son later and punish him for what he's doing? I looked at him. I didn't know what he's talking about. How much Musr I learned. Why do I have to learn Musr to do this? He says, I'm trying to reach this madrega. I can't reach it. If my son would do that to me. I'm like, I, I personally don't understand. Why is that embarrassing? It was beautiful. I said over a Gemara. And he knew where the Gemara is. That's, that's like a nachas for a father. Why are you, why are you this? He says, wow, wow. I don't know how much bus. So I told him. It was so mufrach by him. So, so the pshat is that when, if you're really in that zone, right, things don't affect you, not because you're not sensitive, because you're just in, in a much more ho- place of wholeness. You know, when we're in that place of wholeness, we don't get triggered in the same way. That, that's the idea. Bistaifus does his bittel. Like, somebody serves you. Some people are very comfortable to serve you. Like- for any, any job, like somebody likes to serve, he wants you to feel comfortable. Some people believe when they serve you, they, they like, uh, what, like uh, what do they want from you? Some people want to make, make you happy. They hate people about serving you. Some people are very uncomfortable. They okay. Because they have to, like, uh, serve you. They're more shallow people. They hate to make you comfortable. My job is to make you happy. I'm a waiter. I'm a, they're like, I'm a waiter. Like, I'm not going to move my well, second just, just because, like, 
It really, I guess, depends on confidence. You know, waiters are, are powerful people. They could make a comment that really enlightens the guests. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.